Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. We're back with part two of my conversation with Lady Sarah and Keith Fields. Last week, we talked about their show, The Magic Soiree, and this week, we learn more about what it takes to become a double act. Nick Lacapo stops by the show to discuss the feature product of the week from Al Jazz Sun. Before all of that, we start things off with one of our quickfire segments where your favorite magicians ponder the possibility of living on a remote paradise in the Caribbean with only one piece of magical reading material. This week, Harry Nardi joins me for Desert Island Magic Books. Harry Nardi, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast on Desert Island Magic Books. Let's suppose you wash up on a desert island with one magic book, but it's made of Tyvek, so it's not going to fall apart in the wind and the rain and the sand. What is your Desert Island Magic Book? A uh, bit of a different one, actually. It's uh, I don't read a lot of magic books myself, but this one stood out to me. Mm-hmm. It's Green Next System. Uh, it's got a cool front cover, and it's by someone, sorry if I pronounce it wrong, uh, Gabrielle Whirlin. Green Neck System? Green Neck System, Are you, yeah. are you pitching me a gardening book? Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's got a funny front cover, actually. It's the one with the plate with the eye on it, with a knife and fork either side. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. What, oh, is, what is this book about? It's cool. um, so, I would say it's uh, mentalism-based. Um, and I first saw Etienne, uh, Etienne Pradier, perform yes. uh, something from that on me at a restaurant. And it basically is effects you can perform over the phone and stuff like that so you haven't got to see them so uh, sometimes if I'm playing games online on the Playstation yeah. uh, and someone finds out I'm a magician I'll do that trick on online and it does really really well so please describe the effect for our listeners yeah. if they... um, so basically you get someone to pick three objects so say in this room um, a cup your phone and a hat for example place them on your bed or wherever they are uh, you line them up and then you get them to switch two of the items so they'll switch let's say the hat and the other one uh, and then you switch the two they're not thinking of. Uh, so when they switch them around, yeah, you then know which one they're thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much more to the book. You know, that's just like the basic premise. Yeah. Uh, there's things in there like uh, roulettes with water and bleach. So there's just really quirky ideas in there which are wicked. Yeah, that sounds awesome. that sounds fantastic. It's also, awesome. I love the idea that you're. Uh, I don't know what game you're playing on the PlayStation, but in some sort of... Because I'm a gamer myself. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's actually a number of listeners to this podcast who just like reached out to me like, do you play Apex? What do you mean? Sweet. Yeah. Uh, I love the idea of being in the middle of a video game and doing a magic trick to someone. Oh, mate, it's fun. Honestly, the amount... like I've met some good people through doing it as well. You, yeah. know, you get people pop up on your socials afterwards and follow you and then like, yeah. oh they invite their mate to the party. Like, Can you do it to him? <laughs> it's wicked, you know? Uh, super simple system, but it's yeah. so clever. Yeah, it's a really good Book, I is, recommend. is the book largely about this topic, or because uh, I because I'm yeah. just coming from a place of ignorance? Uh, yeah, but. yeah. Um, so it's it kind of is based on the same premise. So you've got like the umbrella of mm-hmm. the green neck system, and then mm-hmm. underneath that you've got different routines like uh, the bleach and water roulette, like yeah. the free object one, um, and a few others. Like there's a really good cups and balls one, which you can use for a smash and stab. Yeah. Um, but your back's turned the whole time, and there's a lot of audience participation. Oh, it's, wow. it's, I really recommend. It. I think it's great. Green Neck System. Green Neck System. That's a fantastic Desert Island Magic book. Thanks for checking it. Thanks for introducing it to us. No worries. Thanks so much to Harry Nardi for joining me on the show. I have a wonderful interview coming out with him in a few weeks, and I can't wait to share it with you. Now, on to the main event. Last week, I talked to Lady Sarah and Keith Fields about their dinner show, The Magic Soiree. This week, we finish up our conversation about how they began to create and shape their act into the precise piece of sharp wit that it is today. We finished up our chat at Magic Live, and now you get to join our conversation if you found that your relationship as a couple has changed since you've become a, a double act on stage I, I, 
don't know if it's changed. You might look at us yeah. differently. I yeah. Think. yeah. I think our, what we did discover is our relationship is now on show. Yeah. And we are, we are very honest on stage. Everything we say, which we developed the comedy from, is yeah. based on truth. We talk about the fact that we live in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And that's become part of the act. Mm-hmm. The fact that we've been married for 31 years becomes part of the act. The fact that we have children, the fact that I've been married before, mm-hmm. this all comes in so we're we're teaching the audience about us yeah and people come up to us afterwards and go are you really married mm-hmm. and, you know because they kind of almost can't believe we it also, because we also aren't rude to each other or belittling to each other and that so was another one that was a big thing that we weren't going to do yeah. that on stage we've seen so many double acts do that where yeah. it becomes uh it becomes a fight or they're trying to top each other or that sort of thing so we you know we're cheeky to each other but we say the same things to each other that we'd say if we were in conversation. Yeah, it's um, having spent time with you both uh, candidly as, as people and then watched the performance on stage, it's, it's, it's fascinating because the, the sense of play that you have as just people who of my friends, Keith and Sarah, is, carries over into what you do on stage. But it's a much more focused mm-hmm. and the, it's clear that there's a character... Like the, the characters are playing in a different way than you two are when you're playing in, in real life. If oh, that, yeah. If, if, is, think, is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think what, what, you, what, what we did uh, is, is we looked inside ourselves and uh, to find out that the, the, the best pieces mm-hmm. to actually take on stage, the best pieces to say, this, this is part of me and this is part of And I, I think the way it kind of works um, is when, when Sarah's on stage, when we're on stage together... She's very much the the bigger character. She's mm-hmm. the you're the authority person on stage. Yeah. Um and and I'm sort of submitting to her. But when she leaves the stage, then all of a sudden I am totally in control of the situation and I become a different me. I noticed that watching watching Lady Sarah enter and leave the stage almost does something physical to you. Mm. Where you, it's just, it's me you, wanting to please Sarah yeah. all the time. I you know, I'm I'm I, you know, I want That's to make the same her in happy. our marriages. It's true. I mean, I've always had the had the approach to our marriage that I can't be happy unless Sarah's happy, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of that. Is just something that's just morphed into our. And so, Eric, that that was a big thing. You know, for Keith to change his whole lifestyle career—no, not lifestyle, but career—and bring something new in. I mean, creatively, it was brilliant. As well, wasn't it, oh, darling? It was gosh. brilliant for you because you, you thought of something new. But at yeah. the same time, that's a big deal to yeah. ask of anybody. You know, I'm about to change. Uh, I'm about to change everything that I do. So it was it was incredibly humbling, and I thought, wow, he really does love me after that. Yes. <laughs> do you? I really do. <laughs> oh, thanks, darling. Oh. Do you? Uh, <laughs> do you think that um, sort of growing up in the UK inf- informed? you more as to what a double act could be because there's a really great British tradition of double acts Mm -hmm. over the years Mm -hmm. and there's just kind of not in America like in the early vaudeville days there are some wonderful double acts but I I think I can name two American double acts in the last 20 years and Eric we've looked at all of them from from Laurel and Hardy and Abbott and Costello. Costello to Morecambe and Wise in the UK, to the two Ronnies. Yeah. Uh, we looked at male females, we looked at Pam and Tom, we at Johnny, and we looked at, well, we looked at all sorts of people. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, and, you know, and to, I, you know who, who I think two of the the, the the most important people was Lucille Ball and Desi Arnett. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they had a, yeah. Because their relationship, you know, Lucille was, you know, she's a big character, and, and Sarah, as you know, is a, is a big character. You mm-hmm. can't, you know, you can't contain Lady Sarah in, yeah. in a box. It's just not going to work. Uh, and Desi Arnaz almost played sort of second fiddle to her, um, and realizing that that was a, that was a positive thing, yeah. possibly part of it. But their their style of comedy and what they did and their, the crosstalk thing became very important. So there are bits which are tightly we do which are tightly scripted, which go bang 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 yeah. between us. And there are other bits where we're just improvising and we have no idea what we're going to do. Do you, do you think that living in America as long as you have has influenced the double act in, in a different way than it? than it would have if it had grown if the act had grown up in the UK versus growing up in the States? I think British comedy, if that's what you mean, is very hard hitting compared yes. to some of the American comedy we see. I, I think it's a benefit to us being bringing the sort of British style of comedy and the British double act comedy yeah. to a market that maybe isn't as aware yeah. of that style of entertainment. So maybe that's opened doors to us and maybe that makes us more different in America, mm-hmm. well, then the accent alone makes us more different in America. Do we have an accent? We never well, had we an accent. We used to have, America. did we? You know, we just came over here, we got an accent. Suddenly found out we had an accent. I don't know how that works, but uh, I always wanted an accent because I always thought they were cool. Very yeah. exotic, you know, yeah, darling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are some phenomenal acts around um, that we've learned, well, that I've certainly learned a lot from, mm-hmm. and that's been a great earning curve. Yeah. I think the accent thing is interesting, but at the end of the day, it just gives you a bit of a running head start. Yeah, um, it's more interesting for a, for a couple of minutes. Yeah, but you still have to really deliver. You know, you you mentioned earlier, Lady Sarah, that, that you are very clearly not a magician, and that the magic comes from Keith. But you do still engage in the magic. How when you're creating an act, when you're creating a new piece with magic, how how is what is that process for for you two? So Keith knows what I can do and what I can't do. But Eric, just being here, am I allowed to say I'm at Magic Life? Yeah, you're, just everyone, being everyone knows <laughs> that. <laughs> um, you know, there is some incredible magic, and I'm still blown away. I love going and watching close-up magic from yeah. Eric, say, oh. right there in front of me, and just being blown away by it. Yeah. But I, don't ask me how you do it. I haven't got a clue, and I don't want to know either. <laughs> so Keith will come up with routines that work well with our style. I, I, yeah, there is a process behind it, and I'm looking for routines and magic. Well, let me tell you what I'm lo- not looking for first, because yeah. I think that's probably easier. Because I'm always talking to friends, saying, "Look, if you have any ideas that you think would be good for us, let us know." And they can yeah. come up with this brilliant idea, which they would like to do, but they know they need an assistant to do it. Mm. But everyone is always thinking in terms of a magician and an assistant, because yeah. that's that's the, the history of magic almost. And every single idea is, no, that's a magician and an assistant trick, and you're mm-hmm. using the assistant to do the bit you can't do on stage. Yeah. And so we're looking for things which really showcase our relationship. Yeah. Because as I mentioned earlier, a relationship is intrinsically more interesting to watch than a magic trick. And the other thing that goes with that is that a relationship can have something which is missing from virtually every magic act, and that is pathos. Yeah. You Magic has virtually no pathos. A ventriloquist with his dummy, because there's two people there, can create incredible pathos where you really care about their relationship. And if we've got something which we can make the audience care about, that's got to be the most important thing of the act. So we had to move that right to the very centre. So all the pieces we have 
allow us to play with each other. That sounded bad. Allow us to... <laughs> Can we rewrite <laughs> <laughs> a Quick edit point there. Uh, allow us to actually have a lot of sort of banter between the two of us and encourage each other and a lot of fun. Sorry to interrupt, but this week of the show was brought to you by Coin On Call from Al Jazz Sun. Nick Lacapo joined me via Zoom to discuss this digital coin trick. Nick, this one, this one's from way back, but I kind of forgot how powerful this is. We're talking about a way to blow someone's mind twice using a borrowed coin and a borrowed cell phone. This is coin on call by Aji's son. Yeah, uh, this is a great routine. Yeah. So you can, you borrow a penny from somebody, which is funny. Uh, a lot, probably a lot easier to borrow a penny than any other coin these days. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's you actually know, some of the only change that might be on someone. Yeah. Right. Right. It's uh, cause you always end up with more of those. And any, anyway, uh, penny. Yeah. Maybe I start need to carry in this trick again. This is a good one. <laughs> So you, um, you, you borrow a penny and you have them hold it up and well, you borrow the penny and you also have them bring out their phone and turn the camera on. You have them hold the penny in front of their face and you take a picture of them holding their penny. Um, so then you, you put the phone down, you place the penny in their hand, they close their fingers over the penny and then you do the magic moment and they open their hand and it has changed into a dime. And there's no sleight of hand or anything involved here. This is just, it happens in the spectator's hand, super strong. But then you open up the phone and show them the picture that they took or you, that you took. And uh, they're not holding a penny in the picture. They're holding a dime. Uh, so it's, um, you get a little double, <clears throat> double reveal there. And it's just a very, very powerful trick for carrying around what? Almost nothing. I really like these tricks that are playing with the technology that people have in their pocket, but in such a way that the routining is so clever that you're you're not having to do like an app or or any like weird secret moves. You're you're literally just taking advantage of of something that you could not do otherwise. I mean, like that photo on their phone as proof that they were holding a dime beforehand when they're convinced they're holding a penny is mm-hmm. such a strong moment. Uh, yeah, and it's uh, it's it's one of those that like, yeah, I, why am I not doing this trick right now? Yeah, it's it's interesting. The I mean, I I don't know, but I, I'm gonna just say that you know there was a trick that came out, um, oh, double exposure by yep. by um, Aussie Wind, yeah, which is essentially the same trick um, with cards, where you know the spectators are looking at one thing, mm-hmm. and the camera is looking at another thing. Um, and while it seems like you might be able to go, yeah, well, maybe they, you know, they couldn't see the other side. I've performed these two tricks enough to know that, wow, this is a powerful, powerful, powerful moment. It's like really strong stuff. Yeah. I I've, I've done these tricks so many times and nobody ever questions. Like, it's just that your brain completes the picture because you were holding it and Mm -hmm. because you could see a penny on one side why wouldn't it be a penny on the other side, right? And you know the, so, mo- the moment that's great with tricks like this is not the moment where you reveal it and they're like going nuts. The, mo- the moment that's really great is when you walk away from the table and you see them pull their phone back out yeah. and look at the photo and they're just like, they're looking for confirmation that reality is, is not yeah. shattered. It's, it's yeah. such a great thing to see them looking at that photo later. Right. So, you know, the other thing I want to mention here, there, there is another handling. You're going to receive a special gimmick with this when you get it. But also there's another handling on here that teaches you how to do it without any gimmicks at all. Oh, man. Um, That's cool. But, um, you know, the gimmick is, I mean, the gimmick is great. It's a time-tested um, magic gimmick. And um, this routine is, 
it's a good one. I mean, it's a for for the gimmick that you're receiving. This is probably you know one of the best routines ever ever invented with it. Coin on call. Check it out. That was Coin on Call by Al Jazz Sun. First off, I just wanted to quickly apologize for my mispronunciation in that little ad. Al Jazz has an incredible trick here, and I killed with it at the corporate event last I had last week. Secondly, as always, our splendid listeners always receive 25% off the feature product of the week when they enter the special discount code at checkout. This week, that code is COPPER. That's COPPER, C-O-P-P-E-R, for 25% off Coin On Call by Al Jazz Sun. That code is only good for Coin On Call and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now back to my conversation with Lady Sarah and Keith Fields. Magic has virtually no pathos. A ventriloquist with his dummy, because there's two people there, can create incredible pathos where you really care about their relationship. And if we've got something which we can make the audience care about... That's got to be the most important thing of the act. So we had to move that right to the very centre. So all the pieces we have allow us to play with each other. That sounded bad. Allow us to... Can we rewrite <laughs> a Quick edit point there. Uh, allow us to actually have a lot of sort of banter between the two of us yeah. and encourage each other and a lot of fun. And I think, no, but I think that use of the word play is important because it is it is playful on stage. You know, in a in the true meaning of the word playful. And it's because I've seen people act at playful, but that's not what you two are doing. You're actually playing with each other. In- oh, yeah. I'll give you an example. We were at the Magic Castle working in the parlor. And at the beginning of our act, people may not have seen it, but um, we, we do a lot of a bit where we, we call it the run on, run off bit, where mm-hmm. Sarah's on stage and I keep running off and I run on and do something. I run off and I run on and do something else. So in the middle of this thing, I still remember the feeling. I ran on stage about to say something to Sarah she wasn't there <laughs> she'd literally just gone round the corner and hidden <laughs> and that was out of nowhere I didn't expect it and I, I just, fooled him Eric. I fooled him <laughs> I just collapsed on the floor in a fit of giggles because the oh. audience there knew that yeah. this you know it's about making something which isn't a show it's yeah. real and this is probably the first time it's been done or the only time it's been done it'll never be done and making the audience know this is this is real yeah. you know it's not an act it's not it's not always a script you know, and those bits are the bits that suddenly take it up. So really we're talking about improvisation and, mm. and and you are the king of improvising on stage with the audience and you know how to do that so well. And I've seen well, you, you do that at comedy clubs. Yeah, but, but then you have to improvise. The thing is that puts a lot of pressure on Sarah because mm. one thing I can't do is tell her what I wanted to say next even though I know what I might want to say next but in the middle of the show I can't do it. So we have to learn from each other yeah. one of the things I sometimes do is go off on a comedy tangent or a comedy rant Yeah. and Sarah's learned that when I go off on one of those she just has to sit back and let me do it and then after I finish I'll look at her and she goes have you finished? <laughs> are <laughs> uh, you done now darling? Done now? Yeah. shall we keep going? <laughs> yeah and it's oh back to the show okay fine I forgot where we were You know, so it's actually learning that about I don't know if we asked, answered his question though because it was actually about the magic and I don't do the magic it's the bottom line mm-hmm. I don't I have immense respect for you guys and what you've all achieved with your magic but uh, it's not me and I can't suddenly it's taken years to learn there is a magic way of doing things and I know this you know the, the fun we have with the rose we do a yeah. thing with the wilted rose yeah. um, where I give Sarah a rose because I've been mucking everything up and I say I'm really sorry I'd like to apologise and give her the rose and she takes the rose and the rose wilts uh, she says something very funny which is very inappropriate but uh, <laughs> with the wilting rose and the obvious gag yeah. um, but the simple thing of actually a, a magician 
knows how to hold a wilting rose and mm. let go of it without letting go of it becoming a move. Yeah. Um, and it, it actually took time to for Sarah to learn how to let go of it without going... Ta-da! I remember that. So we're, again, we're at the castle, like, no, and it's you and Chris Hart sort of trying to explain to me how just this. let go. <laughs> 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 okay, what's the problem, guys? But that's a kind of a thing that magicians know. Well, hopefully, a magician would know how to do it. Yeah, there's a magician way of presenting. There is, and I don't think and you guys sometimes appreciate how yeah. brilliant you all are at what you do. Oh, we are. We do appreciate it. We just we just don't hear it often enough. So <laughs> say, say it again. You magicians are really, really good at what you do. Do you think there's an advantage to your creative process because you have somebody who actively doesn't know how some of the magic works? And so when you create something, do you, Lady Sarah, do you think that you have the ability to look at something and be like, Keith, this is not, I know that you think this is magical, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Eric. I can look at things and think, you know, even as a lay person. This just yeah. it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't compute. It doesn't work. Um, it's almost like you can you can because like if if a magician's working single O and they they work on a trick and then they present it to a layperson, they like it's that first time they present it to an audience that they actually find out if it's magic or not, yeah. right? Whereas you don't have to do that because you you can sort of because you have that sort of safety net of is this magic or not in the context of a comedy magic show built in because of your... Yeah, no, you're right. And so I can see that. And that's why we would encourage people to really rehearse or Mm -hmm. get a team behind you and say, what do you think of this routine? It's so important to have other input Mm. to see actually, does this work? And we have that between us. And we have the magic soiree as well where we can... You know, try things out as well yeah. and stuff like that. Which is I mean, having, having your own theatre is a yeah. tremendous <laughs> advantage over other acts. Myself and Nick Lacapo can absolutely attest to that. If yeah. So the real secret here is have your own theatre. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Super. There we go. That's answered everyone's problem. Yeah. Keith Fields and Lady Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. This will definitely not be the last time that we have you to talk with us. Thank you, Eric. We love you. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Lady Sarah and Keith Fields for the conversation, and thanks to you for listening. Lady Sarah and Keith Fields are some of the most wonderful people in show business, and I count myself extraordinarily lucky to be their friends. If you're ever in Detroit, be sure to grab a ticket to see their show. It's a scream. Links to their show are in the description below. Well, truth be told, the first time I recorded this, it was a week early. Uh, There was an audio hiccup, and so now I'm recording this while hiding under a blanket in my hotel room. Uh, As you're listening to this, Nick LaCapo and I are halfway through our run at the Magic Castle, and we are having a blast. I actually went to the castle last week, or last night, to see Jonathan Levitt and Mad Tad perform in the Peller, and it was incredible. Their show was wonderful. If you ever have a chance to see Jonathan Levitt and Mad Tad perform together, don't miss it. They do some really cool stuff. Well, it's also been a hot minute since we have had a State of the Penguins. So, if not next week, then the week after, Nick and I will have to sit down and record an episode where we talk about everything we've been up to. We've both been on the road for months now and we'll have lots of stories to share with you. Until then, as always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform you've been messaging random strangers on the internet for tickets to the Magic Castle. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you'll have to buy me an air conditioner. It's hot out here. The first time I recorded this, it was 113 degrees in Columbus. Buy me an air conditioner and a bag of ice and also a pair of pants made of liquid nitrogen. I'm boiling. But 
If alternative methods of cooling off aren't in your bag of tricks, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform.